Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, what is a highlight from this past week for you? Every week is the I, same now. That's like, fair. It's... Do you want me honestly, to Honestly, this you? is my highlight. Yeah. Um, I love preparing for these things. I love meeting with the two of you. Um, yeah, this is same. my highlight. Yeah. I think for me, um, this week, this weekend is um, golf's first major is happening. Um, much delayed. Um, so, and it's weird because it's normally usually like the last major of golf. So, um, but I've been watching an inordinate amount of golf Good for over you. the past three days. In fact, I'm, I'm looking at my clock as we record because the final round is today. So I got to make sure, you know, I, I get enough time so i can go home and watch it um so that's been a highlight because i love watching golf and and last night actually we put Aliyah to bed and i don't know i probably watched four to six hours (laughs) worth of golf for those of you that are listening you can't see the confliction on charles's face as he says like do i want to be honest (laughs) about this number (laughs) no good for you good for you um i think for me it's 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 a preparing and then like coming in to record because yeah, I just look forward to it all week. Um, I think as well, one of the things in relation to this has been meeting uh, Eli's alter ego of a rapper on Instagram <laughs> who had a had a nice little little rhyme to remind people where how they can find our podcast. Uh, it was fire, as the kids say. And that I, I listened to that at work and just out loud went... <laughs> <laughs> So it made me very happy. <laughs> Thank you for that. So let's get things started with the questions of the week. If you'd like to submit a question of the week for us to answer during the segment, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's the number three. Then guysatthewell, all one word and lowercase, at gmail.com. So this, this question is born out of a, a serious controversy I started at my job uh, this week. I work at a summer camp. And so... <laughs> We have smaller, it's a science camp, we have smaller class sizes, we're disinfecting a lot, everyone's wearing masks so we can stay as safe as possible. And it's been, that's actually been a highlight to see kids out of the house and hanging with other kids, like that's been really cool. But in one of these classes, uh, we were, I was playing Disney music while the kids were working on something. And there were a bunch of comments made about Disney movies and Frozen came up. And some of the kids asked like, which one do you like more, Frozen 1 or Frozen 2? And I said, Frozen 1, without a doubt. And we argued about it for the rest of the week, and I made enemies of a lot of nine-year-olds. So, <laughs> I am curious, guys, which of the Frozen duology? Du- duology? D- sure. 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 Boom. Hopefully Heard they it. don't make a third. <laughs> <laughs> the Frozen non-trilogy. Which of the two do you prefer and why? Let's remember that we are a Christian podcast, uh-huh. and we can disagree... <laughs> Without uh, being unreasonable, <laughs> I think I think uh, I like Frozen, the, the original one for the first one, because it's the first one. Sure. Like it's mm-hmm. original when it came out. It was novel. It was, it, I mean, it still has a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, your wife loves it, right? My my wife loves it. Yes. You and your wife sang that sang we, song. Yeah. So funny story. <laughs> we I find proposed the audio. to my wife. Probably um, a half a dozen or more times before I actually proposed uh-huh. to her because for a, a talk series that we were giving 
in our campus ministry called uh, Love, Sex, and Dating, um, we <laughs> we did this little sketch um, uh-huh. of when Anna and um, Christoph, no, no not Elsa, Chris, uh, the bad guy Hans, Hans um, sing "Love Is an Open Door," and we <laughs> did that, and so it ends with uh, <laughs> it ends with. Uh, Hans proposing to Anna and so I proposed to my wife multiple times in rehearsal and when we actually did sketch this was years before we actually started dating so it's fun funny but that's also partly why I love the mm. first one because I have that memory yeah a special place in your heart yeah. <laughs> cute yeah uh, I am all for the first one because the second one and I know a lot of these movies tend to be money grabs but that's still a legitimate gripe. Also, the fact that I don't I don't understand how Elsa could be one of the five spirits if there's already a water spirit. Snow is just water. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm I'm I don't say, I don't like that. Say it again, Eli. Snow is just water. Hear Except that? it's frozen. But I <laughs> <laughs> I just that was annoying to me. It seems like they they stretched a storyline that had completed that had reached its end Mm -hmm. and they put really silly things in there that were cool to watch cool effects visually very visually very stunning but also like i didn't need to see this yeah yeah i feel that i i prefer the original as well but i also because i have to give it so much credit because i saw the original frozen months after it came out so there's plenty of time for it to be ruined for me because everyone was singing Let It Go and saying, oh, it's the best Disney movie ever, which it's not. But there was all this hype around it and I went into seeing it prepared to dislike it mm-hmm. just because there was so much hype. And then after seeing it, I was like, no, that was actually really good. Yeah. Um, it's not the best Disney movie ever. I don't think it's close, no. but it's actually very good. Whereas with Frozen 2, I walked out of it and was like, I, I just, Don't I care. could not get into it. Um, the plot was just all over the place for yeah. me. I didn't like that. I will say, though, my favorite part in both movies um, is the scene in Frozen 2 where Olaf is telling the story yes, of Frozen 1. Please. It yes, is please. It is the funniest so and like good. and the post credits. <laughs> he does the same thing in post credits. It's the no. it's the best scene in either movie. It is so funny. I, I was watching this with my I was watching Frozen Two with my wife and I was, was in the beginning I was like ah, I'm not really feeling the songs that much. I don't know where this plot is going. I'm not really feeling this. And I don't like Olaf that much as a character. Generally. Which is just terrible. Yeah, because Olaf is the best. He is okay. Let's agree that he is okay. We can agree to disagree because Olaf is everything. He is all right and sometimes annoying. But so I was like really, really down on him. And I told my wife this because she's the same way. She's like, how could you not like Olaf? And I was like, I'm a terrible person. Um, but that scene happened and that I was like, okay, he's good. Like, I, I, I think I get it. I think I get it. That scene when he just goes, at least she's got her parents. Her parents are dead. I, <laughs> I like had to pause oh, the movie no. to laugh until I cried. <laughs> oh, oh no. so good. Oh my gosh. We've probably alienated a good amount of the, the listenership who love Frozen 2. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll see. Please keep listening. We don't only bag on <laughs> Disney movies. 
What we do, though, is talk about scripture. So this week's passage is from Luke 7, verses 18 to 35. If you have your Bible and aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. John the Baptist sat alone in a prison cell. He had recently confronted King Herod for marrying his brother's wife, and now he awaited certain death. One day, two of his disciples come to see him, a rare amenity granted to John during his imprisonment. On this particular visit, he had a message he needed them to take back to Jesus. The isolation and the knowledge that soon his life would end had made John very contemplative. Before he left this life, he needed to know. Was this man he had spent his entire life pointing to, the one whose sandals he was unworthy to untie, the real deal? Or was there another to come? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? In that very hour he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. When the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in the king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized in, with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God. For, themse for themselves they had not been baptized by him. And the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come, eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibbler, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by all her children. Gentlemen, what stuck out to you from this conversation? So... From this conversation, um, right at the beginning, John's disciples told him about all these things. What do these things refer to? And so I take that to mean the things that precede this paragraph. So that would mean Jesus preaching on blessings and woes, love for enemies, not judging others, Jesus praising the centurion, not a Jewish, uh, not a Jewish man, but in fact a Roman man, um, for having faith. Um, and now... John the Baptist's reaction to all this stuff while he's in prison, as Jarrell mentioned, is to send a couple of his own disciples to approach Jesus and ask if he's the Messiah or not. Why? Um, well, John the Baptist knew who Jesus was, but Jesus said things that caused many Jewish men and women um, to struggle. Love our enemies. 
Israel has a his- has a history of either mopping the floor with its enemies or being invaded by its enemies. <laughs> um, were, they were under Roman control at that point in time. So love for enemies was not something that was nat- not even, not like not natural to anybody really, but certainly not to some people who were once again under the thumb of an oppressor. Um, and what about don't judge others? They stoned people. Mm. Right, that was a cultural norm, and so being able to assess and judge other people by how they live their lives was a part of how they lived. Um, like so, so again, the question could easily be asked: Like, what do you mean, don't judge others? John the Baptist knew who Jesus was, but Jesus didn't always speak or behave in ways that Jews thought the Messiah was going to speak and behave. And so then Jesus discreetly confirms. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are clean, the dead are raised. I do the things that only God can do. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus then says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Translation, blessed are the ones who continue to have faith in me, even when I do things that you don't expect me to do or that challenge you. Mm. Um, and that is a word because don't we all struggle yeah. mm-hmm. with how the Lord presents himself sometimes or presents his will or asks us to to do something and it's like both of you for instance did not want to come to maryland <laughs> and yet here you are like there was challenge even in that and blessed are you both for persisting in your faith despite the discomfort that god exposed you to mm-hmm. so that you could be pruned make sense mm-hmm. like that yeah i think uh, this is an initial point I'll, I'll say more later but i love that when they they come to jesus and they ask him what john asked like are you are you the guy like are you the real deal jesus does answer them in this like initial conversation but it's not until he goes about like doing the work of like casting out demons like restoring sight to the blind it says like they asked him and and then it goes and that very hour he cured many infirmities Mm. and kind of this jesus like he would explain it but this like i'm gonna show you like what i'm about like this kind of show don't tell uh, thing of Jesus being um, confronted with these guys who are like, are you it? And he's like, see for yourself. And just kind of this willingness of Jesus to, because we see in other parts in scripture where people, Jesus decries people sometimes for saying, give us some sort of sign so that they would believe in him. He like routinely is like, what, like why? Like, like you won't be convinced, he says, like until you have like a sign of like Jonah. In this case, they don't ask for a sign. They just ask, like, are you him? And then he shows them in abundance. Like, like what he just rattles off, like, the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, deaf hear, dead are raised, the poor of the gospel preached to them. Like, in, the, in a moment where it is someone, again, to, we've been talking about doubt in this season a lot, he goes above and beyond to be, like, a, like erase, like, any thought of you that says, like, I, that may, may be leading you to believe that I am not who I say I am. I do the things that only God can and take that back to John as like an assurance. And then they leave before he even talks to the people around them about John the Baptist. And so this willingness of Jesus to like, to in some cases decry like a show of a sign for people to like believe, but when it is needed is like, yes, like, let me show you exactly who I am. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting as well that, John the Baptist, who was the herald of the Messiah, Mm -hmm. um, is also the person who 
had he not been in jail, I'm sure he would have gone to Jesus and had this conversation himself. Mm-hmm. Are you who are you who you I think you are? Um, kind of question. Um, <clears throat> but the herald of the Messiah, he himself has some doubt mm-hmm. um, and, and initiates a conversation with the one he has doubts about mm-hmm. to get answers. Um, and a, a little preview to our, our, our next season. But in that way, John is just like us, mm-hmm. um, where we, he, he needed reassurance. Mm-hmm. He had doubts and he needed reassurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and how often are we in that position um, of, of needing reassurance? And um, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, it's just interesting that I wouldn't normally have a parallel between John and myself, but that idea of he still, he, he was, even in the Old Testament, there was talk of a man who yeah. would herald the coming of the Messiah, and here he is, that man, yeah. who, mm-hmm. who said, I am unworthy to uh, unfasten the thongs of this sandal, who baptized yeah. the Messiah, and he's sitting in a jail cell going, is this, is this yeah. what I think Being it is? Real, yeah. Like, I need to, I need to ask, um, is this for real? Um, and it's, it's just very interesting that this conversation is initiated by that particular man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to piggyback off of that, um, this idea that, like, John the Baptist, I mean, to be a, there were tons of prophets in the Old Testament, right? But, like, John the Baptist is the greatest, to be in the role of ushering in the Messiah. Like, talk about the greatest prophet there is. Um, And so, Jesus then says, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And so Jesus emphasizes um, this contrast between old and new eras in his kingdom, right? John was the greatest prophet ever born because he ushered in the Messiah. But the lowest person in the new era of God's kingdom is higher than the greatest prophet of the old era. Mm -hmm. And like this massive page turn in the history of not only Israel now, but for Jews and Gentiles, God speaks to the gravity of that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the reasons why he decides to preach not only about John, but to transition into, yes, John the Baptist is the man who many of you have heard of who was preaching about (coughs) me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, has now submitted to, like, he's, he's in prison now, but he's also like, submitted the 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 soapbox to me to speak Mm -hmm. and i'm going to do a massive page turn where you're not listening to the will of prophets you're listening to god directly Mm -hmm. in the flesh and yeah it's an entire paradigm shift Mm -hmm. and he's marking that by giving this talk yeah and this like this passing of the torch it's great like like this season is candid conversations and we have two here where it's like first a reassurance to john and then for his followers and also like his doubters and his critics, like Jesus, to your point, Eli, ushering in, like this is what he came here to do. And then bringing that about um, through himself. And yeah, I think what really got me is like the words that are you, that Jesus used when he like turns to the people and starts his second conversation to the people that are surrounded to like talk to John. Um, and he says like, you know, what did you come into the wilderness to see? And this is referring to... I have my notes like a certain part of the gospel, like, and it's a in Matthew three where people went 
to like the Jordan to see John and be baptized is like hear his message basically. Yeah. And so referring specifically to John, he used some very interesting imagery that I was like, hmm, what does that mean? Obviously, like, what did you come into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. What did you go into the wilderness to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Um, and so I was, some of the commentary I was, I was reading about talked about how normally in biblical uh, writings or even just like writings at the time, the idea of a reed was something that was like very strong and steadfast. And it was used with that kind of imagery that like it's firm and it's not going to be like taken by like current or by wind. And so the idea of like a reed shaken by the wind, like did you expect to see someone who maybe was preaching a very powerful and like uh, charismatic sermon, but wasn't really like about anything, it was just a lot of bluster without any truth. Um, and then what did you go into the wilderness to see? A man clothed in soft garments is like, did you expect to see someone that would be like comfortable to you or more palatable to you? And so Jesus like is in this second conversation after affirming like I'm the guy, which means that John was absolutely right in everything he said in the presence of it says like Pharisees and lawyers who have kind of like ridden him off saying, like calling out what I, I think a lot of us, a lot of Christians can be guilty of uh, even today is like spiritual confirmation bias. Mm. And it's like they went to see John, not because they were really open to him, but just so they could find something to use to discredit him. Mm. They went to John to say like, oh, you're just a reed shaken by the wind. You're loud. You're calling out tax collectors and soldiers and stuff. But like there's stuff about you that doesn't really point to the actual Messiah because like you don't look the way that we think a prophet looks. You aren't preaching a message that is comfortable for us personally. And then like with like him being clothed in soft garments, like you, you aren't this like, we've said a bunch of times like they thought the Messiah would be some kind of like military leader to overthrow the Romans. And this like soft garments thing is like, oh, he's very uh, uh, like winning in his demeanor and just kind of like, oh, I would, I would listen to that guy because he's dressed like royalty. But John wore sackcloth and ate honey and locusts. And so Jesus is kind of pointing to the spiritual confirmation bias saying, what did you actually come here to see? Because you didn't come here to actually be convicted of like my coming kingdom. You came here just to find ways to say, oh, well, it can't be this guy. He can't actually be telling the truth. He can't actually be a prophet sent from God himself. And then God himself says, no, he is the prophet. As a way of kind of flipping that on its head and saying, you're holding and grasping on to comfort in the way that you are most pleased and like unbothered in your faith is not actually like what I'm about and not actually what John was about and kind of calls out that, oh, I just, I just want to, I want to see something that keeps me in my comfort zone, keeps me in my bubble. If it does, it must be from God. If it doesn't, there's no way it is. And I think that that pervades within the church even today and within each of us personally and speaks to a need to get into the scripture so that when we see Jesus, we recognize him. leads to a question that kind of popped in my head um like who is who has been your john the baptist who has been maybe the person a person place or thing that when you look at the face of it is not like something that you would say oh that that's going to point me to jesus mm-hmm. or that is like naturally you know um something that the lord's going to speak to me but who has been um a messenger of Christ who's prepared the way of the Lord for you to both be- 
believe in and receive uh, Christ. Mm. Initially, I said person or persons, but it could be really anything. And we've kind of touched on this question before a little bit, but um, maybe not quite in this context of this this conversation initiated by the herald of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So who are those people that we maybe would not have expected to like point us uh, to Jesus? Yeah. Hmm. I think, so one of the weirder interactions I've had with folks before has been um, with poor people on the street. Um, So I think a lot of people have done it where they have these outreach ministries that go and you engage with poor, with homeless people who are just out and about. And in one season of my life, um, I was just like, oh my gosh, I want to help the poor. I, wanna, I, want, I want to be someone who is light and salt to somebody. And I was trying to ask people if I wanted to, like trying to ask people, do you want prayer? And, in, and there was this woman um, who just like out of nowhere um, started asking me questions about scripture that I had no clue how, how to answer. And she, but she was asking me because she knew the answers to them. Mm-hmm. She started ministering and preaching to me. Mm-hmm. And I was a totally caught off guard by the fact that it's like, oh, you, you thought you were help. You thought God put me <laughs> in your life so that you could be helpful to me, but like simmer down was essentially the message that I got from this. It's just like, and so she prayed with me about me though. Mm. Um, and so just running into somebody who's like, just because I am in a different circumstance than you, mm. just because I need help doesn't mean I'm not helpful. Mm. Doesn't mean I can't be somebody who, in, who you engage with Christ with, like through on behalf of. Um, so that, that definitely change my perspective on what it means to engage with somebody that you that you're called to be helpful to but mm-hmm. not necessarily like lord over or look down on yeah um i dig that yeah i'm very like well connected to this story very. as well like how people might have seen john right much more aggressively so but right. absolutely yeah and i think that like even well-meaning like you can even be well-meaning and still have an arrogance to the way in which you like see yourself and see other people yeah um yeah. But God continually like checks me on like where where is your ego? Is your ego in there? It is. Let's let's, <laughs> let's get rid of let's it. Let's get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to answer my own question, I think it, you know it's interesting uh, as part of the ministry we do Bible studies, and so part of our Bible studies are evangelistic in nature, and so we're trying to reach students who haven't heard the gospel before, and it's been interesting um, to be a part of these Bible studies and hear. Um, students who are either like nominal Christians or never heard the gospel before. I've, I've had this situation too. And we're talking and discussing a scripture passage, much like we're doing here at the well. Um, and a student will say something profound mm-hmm. or, or bring some light to a scripture passage that I've never heard of before. And, you know, I, I, I distinctly remember a couple situations like this where like, there was a student who was, uh, who, who who had never been part of a church or anything, so he didn't even know what he believed, and he was engaging the scripture and said something profound about, I think it was the passage about uh, Peter stepping out of the boat, which we, we referred to in a recent episode, and it just blew my mind. And it, it was kind of like, this 
this student, this person who doesn't know the Lord is revealing the Lord to me uh, in a way that I was not expecting. And it was, yeah. and, it, and then going through the next couple of years of participating in these Bible studies and being like, it's really cool to see how students on the spectrum of Christianity, whether they're agnostic, atheist, nominal, following, seeking, whatever, can reveal something about scripture and about the Lord that has never occurred to me before, which is really, really, a really cool thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I've been racking my brain to think of an example. The one the one I settled on, though, is just general. The thing that's been convicting the, my heart recently is hearing or just reading about people who are talking, who talk about their sometimes experiences in church that have been very hurt, like harmful for them or like hurtful. Um, and just like either experiencing judgment or people who have kind of looked down on them. And it's like, it's unexpected because I have had conversations with people or listened to people who like are coming at it from a place of being combative. And there's, it's hard to really address it well um, because there's obviously a lot of pain there. But there have been things that I've like either read of just people's um, experiences that have like, that I would not have expected um, in the way that they did to kind of open my eyes to be grieved in a way that I had not mm. previously grieved something. Mm. Yeah. Um, and just like people sharing, uh, sometimes in like specific Christian context or in like articles that are written about the church in different areas of like um, social justice, but sometimes just randomly on TV shows. Uh, and hearing someone make a comment just very like passively about like their experiences in church and like why they felt a certain way. Um, and, and, and I remember once, um, I was, I was actually watching the show Queer Eye. Great show. If you don't watch Queer Eye, it's fantastic. Um, but it's five, uh, gay men and they, some of them, two in particular, had very negative experiences with people in church. It's been very painful for them. And they were talking about that because it comes up uh, a couple times every season. They're talking about that. And one of them said, I know that Jesus loves me, but I don't know if like, some people in like my church do. And like, I remember that in particular, it was like, it's like, it's like a really fun life affirming show. And that hit me and just sat with me for like days mm. of just someone who's like, I know that Jesus loves me. I'm not, I don't doubt that. I know he does, but I don't feel loved by his people. I don't feel loved by his kids. And, I was, and that brought me into like grieving that reality for people in a way that I would not have expected from like a makeover show. <laughs> as great as Queer Eye is, sure. would not have expected that. And it actually moved me to like, prayer and like thought about that of like well how what environments are we building within church within ministry that like and what things are being said that are kind of going unchecked about that and so yeah I'm brought to grief in unexpected ways mm. but it's grief that aligns me more with the heart of God I think mm. thanks for engaging our question yeah, yeah of course yeah, of course um to hit on the on the note about like Jesus sort of checking the hypocrites in the crowd mm -hmm. that you were pointing out earlier, Jarrell. Um, he continues this. Oh, yeah. Um, we're like, for John the Baptist came neither eating bread or drinking wine, and you say, he is a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Mm. And so in this, he points out, when you see someone who is fasting and who exhibits... Um, who exhibits a degree of holiness and then has a message um, that you 
either find off-putting or you find different or you find like that doesn't fit the norm that you're you're acquainted with you say he's possessed mm. right you just you dog him he suddenly is beneath you mm-hmm. but i come chilling right i i i'm there's no were you not at the wedding I, in Cana? I, or I, 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 the wedding. <laughs> it's like i'm i'm the bridegroom i have no reason to fast yeah. and the people around me i'm not going to call them to fast because i'm present with them right um but wisdom, like, wisdom is affirmed when wise people navigate life with wisdom. Mm-hmm. So, like, you all, I'm not I'm not afraid or I'm not shaken by the fact that you all have your, not just doubts, but you have, have your accusations against John or myself. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are wise, who do hear, and who do see this as wisdom, who see my ministry as wisdom, that is what is affirming the truth. Like, the truth is affirmed by those who believe the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, it you are not your doubt your um, accusations are not something that burden or affect me Mm -hmm. um and so there's also this boldness in jesus where he's like i'm i'm also not going to beg these people who are against me for your love and affirmation i am who i am Mm -hmm. you don't see it yeah i am who i am it's in there it's in there there. there. (laughs) i think as well like it's got to bring a full circle to like John's story. This idea of someone displays holiness uh, in very like demonstrable ways, genuine ways, and you're good with it until it asks something of you, or you're good with it until it like is like oh that'd be uncomfortable. Um, and John's story in him talking about this kind of paints a picture of like the godly response to that. Because I think we all we all do this of like, well, Jesus, are you really? like calling me to do this because I'd, I'd have to give up all of these things like i would have to uh stop like using my time in this way i'd probably have to stop uh hanging out with certain people i would have to make some changes um in my life in regards to like purity and relating to others like th- there's a cost and sometimes i think we in the same way that, like uh eve was tempted it's like did god really say that like did god really say that you couldn't do that and we play this game with ourselves all the time John, more than most people, had ample reason to think there must be a mistake. Like, I preached this message. I saw the Messiah. I'm going to die in a few days. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting in a jail cell. I'm sitting in a jail cell. And, like, my accusers feel validated. And I'm, a, I'm going to lose my head. John, more than anyone, could have said there must be a mistake. Like, this can't be the will of God because it seems to discredit me and is going to take my life from me. But Jesus, in speaking to them and validating who John is, he doesn't, he doesn't remove that reality. Like John dies. Herod kills John. He doesn't remove that reality from John's story. He doesn't remove the parts of Jesus' call to him that were a, a nice way of saying it is uncomfortable. He doesn't remove that. That still happens. But in carrying that out, Jesus speaks of John uh, with so much honor and dignity of saying, like, this guy who could have easily dismissed me in my call because look what it's costing him, yeah. went forward anyway and was obedient anyway. And in so doing brings that idea to fulfillment of, like, go and see Jesus, where seek him where he may be found. And to, like, our point with um, the wedding at Cana, and do whatever he asks of you. And John lives that out so 
beautifully and tragically in his willingness to follow Jesus to the very end of the line and not bail when it becomes uncomfortable or inconvenient. But that is all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, very soon to be Spotify. And you can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Three Guys at the Well. And head over to our Facebook page to keep the conversation going in a space reserved for further discussion of the topics we cover in this week's episode. We'll talk to you next week here at the Well.